0: Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garden. This week in synagogues throughout the Jewish world, the Parashah, the weekly Torah reading, comes from the book of Numbers, beginning in Numbers chapter 22, verse 2, and continues through Numbers 25. It is one of just a few Torah portions that are named after an individual, and interestingly enough, it's named after an individual who is not part of the covenant. It is named after Balak a sorcerer. And it is a Torah portion, the main story of which concerns Balak and the king of Moab, um, Balak, who hires uh, a sorcerer named Balak. So the story uh, begins with the Israelites Um, fighting against the Edomites, the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the uh, Amorites on their journey to the Promised Land. Each time, God helps the children of Israel win, and Balak, the king of Moab, saw how the Hebrews had won these wars. He then sends messengers to a figure in the Torah known as Balaam, and tells him about the powerful Hebrews, and the text tells us the following. Come with us, Balaam, to curse these Hebrews. We know that whomever you bless, Balaam, is blessed, and whomever you curse is cursed. God then speaks to Balaam. Who are these people? And Balaam answered, Balak has sent messengers to ask me to curse the Hebrews and drive them out. God says to Balaam, do not go with them. You will not curse the Hebrew people, for they are blessed. So our first interesting note is that Balaam is speaking to the God of the Israelites. God responds to the messengers of Balak and says no. When Balak heard the answer, he sent more important messengers. Um, to ask Balaam to curse the Hebrews. Um, but Balaam would not, saying, even if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go against God's word. Uh, this time, God responds to Balaam and saying, you may go, but do only what I say to do. So in the morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and went with Balak's officers. God's anger flares as Balaam goes, so an angel of God stands in the path to stop the animal. The female donkey sees the angel of God standing with a sword in his hand and turns the other way. Balaam hits the donkey to get her back on the path, and three times... The angel leads the donkey away from the path, and three times Balaam hits the donkey. We then have this unusual episode of the donkey speaking. And the donkey says um, to Balaam, what have I done to you that you would hit me? And Balaam answers, because you act against me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you. A very unusual um, occurrence. So we then reach the conclusion of our story. Balaam uh, continues on his journey, and he reaches Balak, the king, and says, Look, I'm here, but whatever God's words are put into my mouth, I will say Now build seven altars and stand beside the ancient offering. And Balak, the king of Moab, does that. And then Balaam goes to speak to God, and when he returns, he says to Balak, God brought these people out of Egypt. These are to be blessed and not cursed. We go through this over and over again between the two. Uh, And finally, Balaam agrees to go curse the Israelites. He went to the peak of the oar that looks over the last wasteland. Balaam could see that in the eyes of God, it was ripe only to bless Israel. And when he saw the Israelites camping, the Spirit of God came upon him. And he says aloud, How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, is Israel. Matobu O Halecha. How goodly are your tents. Mishkenotecha, Yaakov. Your dwelling places, is, O Israel. And he continues, Like brooks they are turned, like gardens by the river, like cedars by the waters that flow from God's bucket. Israel wins against other nations because God has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Those who you are blessed and those who curse you are cursed. Well, then the story ends as the Israelites are settling in Moab. And the ending is not quite as interesting as the beginning because the Israelites uh, disobey God and intermarry with the women of uh, Midian. To join me this morning to talk about Parashat Balak is Rabbi Jack Luxembourg, the Rabbi Emeritus of Temple Beth Ami in Rockville, Maryland. Rabbi Luxembourg is known throughout the United States as a strong supporter of liberal Judaism and of democracy, both in America and in Israel. He served um, as vice chair of the Reform Movement's Zionist, World Zionist Organization, as well as the American Organization. Rabbi Luxembourg, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Glad to be back. It's wonderful to have you with us, uh, our listeners and the community that hears us on a podcast. I've already introduced to our listeners, as you know, the Torah portion, the story of Bilam and Balak, but I thought we might end almost at the end, not with the story of uh, Pinchas but rather with this unusual uh, phraseology of Balaam, the sorcerer's blessing, uh, Mm -hmm. which has become so important in Jewish liturgical life. So I'll remind the listeners that this is the prayer that Balaam offers, when he sees the camping of the Israelites from the peak of Mount Peor. how goodly are your tents, O Jacob, places, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. And then he goes on poetically. Um, and how do we understand this unique prayer that's become so much
1: a part of Jewish life? Well, I think I, it, you pointed out something that's quite astounding, that uh, we have uh, words from Torah spoken by a, a pagan prophet, uh, lauding the people and faith of Israel, uh, that's so powerful that it's incorporated uh, into our daily prayers. Every morning we begin our morning prayers with these very same words, Matovo HaLecha Yaakov, Techa Yisrael. How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel? I came across a, an interesting commentary that says that uh, when we read these blessings, these words of blessing, we can discern from them what curses Bilam might have intended to speak. So when he blesses uh, the tents, Matovo Ohalecha Yaakov, the commentary says what he's really referring to is. Synagogues and places of Jewish learning. So, wow. his intention would be then, essentially, to curse them and to deny such to the Jewish people. Mishkan from the word mishkan, meaning a tabernacle, mm-hmm. means those uh, God's presence in the midst of our uh, of our people. So, what we, the blessing is, of course. It's wonderful that God, he perceives God present amongst the Jewish people, but the curse would be that God should be absent from among the Jewish people. And, of course, if you can think about this, that the absence of synagogues and houses of study, this absence of the sense of God's presence in, uh, amongst the community of Israel in, in terms of our history, our experience, and our faith— that certainly would uh, be a powerful curse that would lead to the demise uh, of our people and to our, our faith. Folk and faith would both disappear. So perhaps what is really where you say it in the morning, uh, as we wake to the new day, to appreciate just how fortunate we are uh, to have uh, the old hell, the synagogue, the gathering place for prayer and study and the Mishkan, and God's presence among us, and that we should uh, recognize that and appreciate its presence in our lives each and every day, even as we wake to that day itself.
0: Well, I find it fascinating, um, and perhaps our listeners will as well, if we consider that um, throughout Jewish history, one of the primary targets, of enemies of the Jewish people have been synagogues.
1: And places uh, of study, right.
0: And places of study on Kristallnacht in 1938, or in uh, Kishnev um, in uh, the beginning of the 20th century. These uh, pogroms, whether we agree that they're government-sponsored or not, is beside the point, uh, Focus very much on the structure... Of the essential um, institutions of community,
1: absolutely. Um, and let's go even further back, as we remember during the time of uh, Roman occupation of the land of Israel and the su- attempts to suppress our people and their and their desire for for independence, both political and spiritual. Uh, that uh, the Romans' uh, uh, attempt to uh, uh, weaken our people was st- directed. Precisely on forbidding the study of Torah, the, study, the teaching and the study of Torah, uh, which is why during the reign so many of our great rabbis uh, were martyred.
0: What what a marvelous commentary to be able to attach um, the history of our people to this biblical story, which on the surface of it um, seems simply a fanciful story. But before we turn to the fancy, the fantasy, I want to ask you if you might share with our litner, listeners how words of Torah make it into the liturgy of the Jewish people or into the prayer book. For not every religious
1: tradition uses their sacred text as the essence of liturgy. Well, the Rabbi Garten, there's so many passages in, 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 in Torah and Tanakh, in the first five books of the Bible and in, and its remainder, uh, that are, in essence, uh, prayer, are prayerful language. We need only to think of the book of Psalms, for example, or some of the powerful passages from the prophets uh, to recognize how prayerful they are and how inspiring they are. And in our tradition, those words of inspiration... Uh, and instruction, uh, we're deemed worthy of repetition each and every day as part of the prayer experience. But for us, prayer is also learning, not only learning from these passages to be inspired in how we live our lives, but uh, it is a mitzvah, it is a religious obligation each and every day uh, for Limud Torah to study our sacred texts, to study our Torah, so, doesn't it make sense then, if uh, that our sages were wise, to incorporate into our daily prayers passages of Torah from which we could learn, and also fulfill that religious, that spiritual obligation of studying our sacred texts each and every day?
0: So we end up with a very unusual uh, collection of prayers, not necessarily prayers written specifically for liturgical purposes, but uh, prayers uh, that are extrapolated um, from the Torah and uh, make it into our uh, regular liturgy. Uh, and I'm wondering, if that's one of the reasons why um, in Judaism um, individuals um, have such a strong connection between prayer and between uh, worship, uh, the Torah and worship, Um, of this unique uh, melding of synergism. um, I'm really fascinated by it, and I thank you for sharing it with Me and our listeners, Um, and certainly we can think besides the Matovu, the um, uh, prayer known as the Shema, the essential doxology of Judaism, that there's only one God, which is repeated in two of the three prayer services, um, and comes directly from the book of Deuteronomy, and finds itself in the prayer service.
1: Right, let's not forget that every uh, on the eve of every Shabbat we recite a sequence of psalms directly from the exactly. book of Psalms, each, each representing one of the days of the week and then a, another psalm to celebrate uh, the, Sabbath, the Sabbath itself. It's not to say, of course, that there aren't prayers in our siddur, in our prayer book, that uh, are not in, in intentionally composed at various times in our history and have found their way in, into the, you know, the canonized liturgy. There are also prayers, the ones that sometimes that I enjoy very much, are those that are, are sort of a, a combination of the two, that the, the, uh, the composer of the prayer, uh, the Paitan, uh, incorporates into his composition of, of the prayer passages or uh, phrases uh, which a knowledgeable person recognizes come from the Torah or from other sources within the Bible. And uh, those phrases or those verses that are incorporated into the prayer also trigger, I I think, for the person praying, some insights and some associations that go far beyond the meaning of the literal words or the theme of that particular prayer. It gives it uh, such breadth and depth as it touches uh, as it includes touch points from uh, various sources that are sacred to us,
0: we could spend our the entirety of our show this morning discussing uh, liturgy and its connection to the sacred text, but i don 't want to leave our listeners without um, some reflection on this wonderful story of uh, Balaam and his talking donkey. Uh, As they know from the uh, introduction, um, Balaam is reluctant to curse the Israelites and begins a journey under the uh, aegis of God, who then seems to send uh, an angel to impede his journey, and the angel and the donkey speak to each other, um, we don't know what language they use to communicate, but they speak to each other. Uh, and finally, uh, the donkey speaks to Balaam. Um, and there's some sort of wonderful denouement between the angel and the donkey and Balaam. Uh, how do we understand all of this from a uh, uh, commentary perspective? Um, what is the text really trying to communicate to us, besides the wonderful story?
1: Well, you know, it's, it, it, it begins, as you say, Rabbi, with uh, Bilam being you know, enticed into this mission to curse the Israelites, to curse our ancestors, by Balak, the king of Moab, who's, af- uh, who's very afraid of their uh, presence on the borders of his land. And... Uh, you know the commentaries suggest that Balak uh, Balaam wasn't necessarily so reluctant as that he was trying to up his price. He was negotiating for how big a reward he was going to get, and uh, and the narrative suggests that uh, Balaam, uh, this pagan. Uh, Sorcerer, wise person, whatever he was, is able to commune with the one true God, which is, of course, another topic for discussion. Uh, and 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 it seems as if God, He says, "Okay, if you if you've got to go, go, but you're never going to say, and nothing's going to come out of your mouth other than what I what I God intend." And. Uh, the 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 episode with with the talking donkey, he, he, to me is very powerful because while Balaam is uh, associated with the great power of words, either to create or destroy, he is nonetheless a person who is blind. He has he has no spiritual vision, and he and and he doesn't realize. Uh, I think uh, that uh, his, his words, regardless of his intent, will, will not be his, his own. And it's the donkey who sees the the angel blocking the path. You know, Fabia right. Do with the flaming sword in his hand, and the donkey. Leans to the left and, 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 and uh, rubs Balaam's legs up against the wall, guarding the path, and then and Balaam whips the donkey, and the donkey then goes to the right, trying to avoid this angel, which the, which the donkey perceives, but Balaam, for all his purported majesty and haughty character, he's blind. And uh only when he beats the donkey so hard that the donkey collapses on the ground, the Torah says, and and the donkey speaks to Bilam and says, Why are you beating me? I who have you know served you so loyally and in this moment are trying to save you from a terrible fate. From, you know, uh, coming face to face with this angel and only then does Bilam see uh, this angel uh, blocking his path, and comes to the full realization that no matter what his intent, no matter how Balak will reimburse him for his efforts, uh, the the words that come from his mouth can only be words that reflect God's intent, and and and, the, uh, and I think the phrasing in the Torah portion is that you can't say anything because this people is a blessed people, and the people who bless this people will be... And it harkens back to what God says to Abraham about his progeny, that those who bless you will be blessed, and and those those who who curse you will will be cursed. And because God has has blessed the the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, um, Balaam can't possibly utter a curse uh, that will have any impact, because they are already uh, are making their way across the desert. They're on their way to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, and they, they, they walk through the, the, the wastes under God's protection and with God's blessing.
0: There's an interesting parallelism between the, the two journeys. We have the journey of the Israelites, who in this parasha, uh, encounter battle with the um, inhabitants of the land, Um, and we have the journey of Balaam. Um, Both Balaam and the Israelites are expected to learn something significant from the journey. Balaam seems to have his eyes opened to what kind of um, reality there is to blessing and to cursing. What is the meaning of a blessing? And what is the meaning of a curse? Can an individual really bless another? Um, Even if you're a paid professional. Um, (laughs) And the Israelites are uh, in the middle of this journey of which they have had numerous opportunities um, to learn about blessings and curses. Just a few weeks prior to this portion, they were uh, cursed during the story of the spies to spend another 40 years wandering in the desert. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the journey, in a sense, purifies them. And maybe there's an interesting metaphor that Bilam is um, uh, purified on his journey, and the Israelites need to be purified on their journey. Um, So rather than simply seeing the story as this fanciful, mythical, um, talking donkey... Um, there's something archetypal about
1: journeys. Well I th- I think it's a, that that itself is a is a wonderful drash, and and to and to juxtapose it, too is is I, I, I think a, a, a very creative suggestion. Uh, I I I would be reluctant to use the word purify when it comes to Balaam because Balaam remains in our commentaries in the, in our in our our literature, uh, really one of the the villains uh, of our of our spiritual story, I, I would say, in keeping okay, with the even language he's a villain, of the... villain, he's a hero. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, is, is, is he is he the hero because he stands up on Mount Pa'or and from his words come. From his mouth come words ordained by God. I mean, he's, he, he, he's the instrument. He's not, he's not this... He, 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 the words of blessing don't come from his heart. They come out of his mouth as inspired by God. Well, and that's I, interesting, I, because he, throughout the whole story, um, and I suppose this could have been
0: the focus of our conversation, throughout the whole story he seems to be ambivalent. You know, he says in the very beginning of the story to uh, Balak, I really don't want to do this. Uh, God has told me not to do it. But he's convinced by this upping of the bounty to go. Uh, And then he comes back and he says, I really don't want to do this. I'm only going to say what God wants me to say. And he's again convinced to do it. He seems, uh, I don't know, heroic in the sense that his ambivalence leads him to discovery.
1: Well, you know, I I, I think it's a, that's a that's a a, a very creative reading, uh, and I think it's <laughs> it, 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 it merits it merits some thought. Uh, I'll just be the voice of the tradition that that that, that sees Palam as as, as as truly a villain. That uh, he he goes despite God's warning because uh, he's viewed by the tradition as somebody who's motivated by the uh, the riches and the stature that will uh, become his should he succeed, uh, and and he comes to re- uh, I think in the episode of, of the donkey that we were just talking about then and only then does he really come to believe and accept that regardless of his intent or his own desire, he can only do uh, that which God ordained. And, and, and so he's really between a rock and a hard place, because the portion says that Balak, the, the, the king who, of Moab who has hired Balaam, is right there on the scene. And, and we're going
0: to have to leave it at that, Rabbi. Un, um, unrequited conversation.
1: Uh, well, and un- let, let, let's just leave it that everybody, if they, if they ever come across a talking donkey, right. they should listen. <laughs> okay. uh,
0: that's the message of the Torah portion. Talk, right. Talking donkeys, even in Shrek, have much to say. Uh, I want to thank my guest. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Rabbi Jack Luxenberg, Rabbi Emeritus of Temple Beth in Rockville, Maryland. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a podcast of our show on iTunes or access it through the chri.ca website. Shalom and have a good day.